The second coming of Jesus Christ, or what we call the day of the Lord, is motivation for godly living. In fact, Peter says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What motivates you to live a godly life, of course, is your relationship with the Lord, but it's also the return of the Lord. We'll talk more about that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. For it will come upon all those who dwell upon the face of the earth. Unbelievers will be peace, say, saying peace and safety, but you, believer, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, you're not in darkness that the day of the Lord should overtake you like a thief. What else will happen? Go to 2 Thessalonians 2. Next book to your right. Look at verse 1. Things that will happen before the day of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure, 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that what? The day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, the day of the Lord will not come unless what happens? The apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness, which I think everybody agrees is the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or every or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. We spent a few days in Jerusalem just last week, and uh, one of the things that shocks you about Jerusalem among uh, many things, is the crowded nature of the city. In Tel Aviv, the population is 750,000. It's the second largest population in Israel. The first largest population is Jerusalem, which is about a million people crammed into that little city. Tight quarters, a lot of people touring the area. But here's something that you see. When you look at what was once the Temple Mount, or what most agree is the area of the Temple Mount, there are two Muslim shrines sitting there. The one with the golden top is the Dome of the Rock. And there's another black one that's considered more holy in Islam. It's called the Al-Aqsa Mosque. This is where they believe that uh, uh, Muhammad rode up to heaven on a horse. So this is what they they kind of capture here, and it's a very controversial place. Well, if you're up on a rooftop and you're looking at the Temple Mount and you're there on certain days, there will be Muslim prayers that are happening and they'll be coming from the prayer towers. And to be candid with you, it's a bit of an eerie sound, especially when you're in Jerusalem. And for all those people who were first-time visitors to Jerusalem, they were a little bit shocked at the major Muslim presence that's there. And then there's all kinds of different churches there and a whole multitude of different people groups. Here's my point. Both, there was another lady in our fellowship and me who had hit us at the same time that a lot of what you see today and, and some of what you see if you go to the Holy Land is, is a bit of a bummer, to be quite honest. It's, 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 a, it's sad 
because you know what the nation could have been had they followed God. And much of what you see today, even though they're back in the land, is a result of one word. Here's the word. Unbelief. You could say disobedience, but disobedience and unbelief are almost synonymous in this case. And Israel has gone through a lot of what it's gone through because of unbelief. That's what Paul argues in Romans 9, 10, and 11. Unbelief costs you. Because without faith, it's impossible to what? To please God. You cannot please God without faith. He honors faith. And Israel wallowed in unbelief. And the ramifications, the consequences, can still be seen in the city and the country today. And it can still be seen in other places of the world today. There are places that are ravaged simply because of darkness, uh, satanic opposition, demonic activity in dark places. And sometimes it's even in houses where one house in a neighborhood is filled with light and the next house is filled with darkness. And a lot of it has to do with decisions made within those houses, within those lives. That's just the facts. So there's another truth that I want to show you. It's in the book of Malachi. That's the Italian version of Malachi. That's the last book of the Old Testament. It's in Malachi 4. It's the last chapter of the Old Testament. And we have something else that will happen before the day of the Lord. These are reasons why I believe believers will not be caught off guard. I do not believe that the day of the Lord is a signless event. What do I mean by that? I mean that there will be signs associated with the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. Check out Malachi 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, verse 1, Malachi 4, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. The day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise or will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Malachi 4.3. You will tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet. What's your Bible say? Before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, it's interesting when Jews celebrate the Passover, if you turn over to the book of Joel, let me explain. When Jews celebrate the Passover, Joel's a little bit back, they leave something called Elijah's cup. What's that? If you've ever been part of a Seder Passover meal, Elijah's cup is set out. There's an empty space at the table in expectation that Elijah, the prophet, may knock at the door of that home show up, drink a cup of wine, and announce the coming of the Messiah. The first Elijah-type ministry was fulfilled by John the Baptist. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's Luke 1.17. And what did John do? He announced that Jesus Christ had come. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, right? Get ready. The Messiah is coming. I'm not even worthy to untie the thong of his sandal, right? 
He said, I'm going to prepare your hearts with a baptism of preparation, a baptism of repentance to get ready to receive the Messiah. Well, the Bible says in Malachi 4 that Elijah is going to come before the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord did not happen at the first coming of Jesus Christ. So Elijah will come. And in Revelation 11, we studied the two witnesses and we made an argument that one of them is Elijah, based upon this verse and some other verses. So this is going to happen. And then the book of Joel. Look at something else before the day of the Lord. This is Joel 2.28. It will come about after this, Joel 2.28, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky, on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. What's your Bible say? Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, notice, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. There are signs associated with the coming of the day of the Lord. The return of Elijah, cosmic signs in the sky, the world saying peace and safety when there is no peace and safety. The man of lawlessness being revealed. An apostasy that will happen. So we have a multitude. I named at least five things that are associated with the coming of the day of the Lord. This is why I would argue that believers will not be caught off guard like unbelievers will. Unbelievers will suddenly go into destruction not believers. They will not be caught off guard. Jesus said the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Noah built the ark. What was the world doing? Eating, drinking, buying, selling, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day, listen to that, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came. This is Jesus speaking and swept them all away. It will be just like the days of Lot. Lot was in Sodom. The angels literally pulled his family out. They said, we can't destroy this city until you exit stage left. They pulled him out, and then fire and brimstone rained from God. They were out. Judgment came. And these are the, the uh, examples that are used by Jesus. The door of the ark was shut and the flood came. Lot went out with his wife and daughters and fire and brimstone came. Out go the people of God. Down comes the judgment of God. Everybody with me? Those are the examples that Jesus used. And we're supposed to remember Lot's wife because what did she do? She looked back and she probably got swept up in the judgment. And it's interesting. This is in the area of what's called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea now has 30 plus percent mineral content.
Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we've put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. Examples that are used by Jesus. The door of the ark was shut and the flood came. Lot went out with his wife and daughters and fire and brimstone came out. Go the people of God. Down comes the judgment of God. Everybody with me? Those are the examples that Jesus used. And we're supposed to remember Lot's wife because what did she do? She looked back and she probably got swept up in the judgment. And it's interesting. This is in the area of what's called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea now has 30 plus percent mineral content. There's a lifeguard posted at the Dead Sea who will not allow you to stay in the water beyond 15 minutes. 15 minutes in the Sea of Salt or the Dead Sea, you come out with baby smooth skin. Ah, you're kind of shining. Ah. But if you stay longer than 15 minutes, it will suck the life right out of you. The lifeguard is posted to time you. I think they have a timer there. He will not allow you to go beyond 15 minutes because you'll get dehydrated and it will take the life right out of you. They have a salt formation, many salt formations in the area, one of which they call Lot's wife. And Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. It's a really weird thing because when you're driving along the area, kind of the coast of the Dead Sea, you look off to your left and you see white things and they almost look like buoys in the sea, which is... I guess, technically a lake, but they're actually all salt formations. There's so much salt in the water. And this, this is uh, another of the interesting examples that Jesus gave. Now, when this day of the Lord comes, 2 Peter 3, this is what's going to happen. 2 Peter chapter 3. It says... But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away, verse 10, chapter 3, with a roar. The heavens are going to pass away when the day of the Lord comes. Now, Pastor Chris mentioned not the abode of God, but the atmosphere, if you will, the current. Remember, God made the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God made what? The heavens and the earth. What he made he is going to destroy. He is going to wipe them out. They, the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed. 
The Greek word is luo, to literally loosen with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Note verse 10. The heavens, the elements, and the earth are all going to be burned up with intense heat. This second cataclysmic judgment is not by water. It is by fire. Both are scary prospects, right? A worldwide flood is a scary prospect. Worldwide fire is a scary prospect. How many of you have ever gone through a fire before? Ever had a fire in your property? When I was growing up, the neighborhood behind our back fence, the house caught on fire. And uh, it was early in the morning, two, three in the morning. And we were peering out the back of our home. I, I must have been seven or eight years old. And this house was on fire and the windows were breaking because of the intense heat of the flames. And the two guys, they were both young men, probably in their early 20s, came running over to our house in their boxers because they thought our house was on fire. I don't know if it's because we were screaming or what, <laughs> but it was their house that we were concerned about. So I remember we were in the backyard spraying our back fence, trying to keep the fire from coming into our home. Fire is a scary thing. And that, that's a localized fire, or we've had the fire sweep through Southern California. Well, when the day of the Lord comes, the heavens, the elements, and the earth and its works, verse 10, are going to be burned up. There's going to be a roar. One writer says the equivalent of the swish of an arrow, the rumbling of thunder, the crackling of flames, the screams of a lash. As it descends, the rushing of mighty waters, even the hissing of a serpent are captured in the word roar. He says, in essence, the canopy with an immense roar will roll up like a rattling window blind when one loosens its grip on it, and they will perish. See the word pass away? It's a Greek word that means perish or to pass by or to neglect. The word for the elements there is a Greek word, sometimes referring to elemental spirits in other passages, but here to the very elements of the universe. It would appear that everything that God made in terms of the matter of planet Earth related to the solar system, the heavens, and so forth, the earth, will all pass off the stage. God will consume it with intense heat. Can you imagine what that might look like? Can you imagine the cataclysmic judgment that this is? Can you imagine the power it must take to not only create all of this, but to destroy it? Well, that's what God's going to do. God is going to destroy all of these things. The planet is going to be purged by fire. In verse 6 of 2 Peter 3, it says, Though through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water, 2 Peter 3, 7, but the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for what? For fire, kept for the day of judgment, that's the day of the Lord, and destruction of ungodly men. And so now we have more detail to verse 7. The world being reserved for fire and what's going to happen. It is going to be dissolved. This is the book of Isaiah. And I'll tell you what, let's turn there. This is an important passage. Isaiah 34. 
you don't want to turn there, just listen to it. Isaiah 34, verse 1 says, Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear. Isaiah 34, 1. The world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations and his wrath against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. 34, 3. So their slain will be thrown out. Their corpses will give off their stench and the mountains will be drenched with their blood. And all the host of heaven, 34, 4 of Isaiah, will wear away. If you have a King James, it says will be dissolved. New King James say, says the same, shall be dissolved. The sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree. If you skip down to verse 8 of chapter 34. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for what? For the cause of Zion. What's Zion? We've been learning about it in 2 Samuel. It's the mountain of Israel. It's actually Zion is considered the place for the Temple Mount, the place where David set up shop and made his capital. God is going to work again in Israel. Take it to the bank. Even his judgment in Isaiah 34 is connected to the cause of Zion. Unmistakably, that's Israel. That's the people of Israel who, of course, come to their senses in the last days. And so if you want to write this down, Revelation 6 says the same thing. It says the sky, verse 14, will split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. This is the sixth seal judgment in Revelation 6. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. I've been trying to share with you that between Revelation 6, uh, which is the sixth seal, you have Revelation 8, 1, which is the seventh seal. In between, you have Revelation 7, which is the sealing of the 144,000, the appearance of the great multitude. That's where I believe the rapture takes place, between the sixth and seventh seals. I believe that the bulk of Daniel's 70th week is tribulation. The day of the Lord comes near the end of the tribulation. That's when the judgment of God actually comes, in my view. And this is, of course, debated. And that's when I believe the church is rescued and then the judgment comes. We're not appointed to wrath, but not spared tribulation. Now, Peter's going to ask a question in verse 11. He says, 2 Peter 3.11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, this includes your automobiles, <laughs> your golf clubs, your favorite shoes, your favorite jacket, scarf, you name it. It's going up in smoke. Everything that we see now, that so much value is put on, literally is going to burn. And what you're going to want to know in that day is simply this. Is the Lord God your shield? Because you're going to need a pretty good fire suit on that day. Would you agree? It says all the elements, the heavens, the earth, 
its works. The disobedient who will not obey the gospel, everyone. Well, this is the question. Since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way, the way just described in verse 10, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Let me just ask you the question. Since you know that this is how the planet will end, this will be the end of the age, which will signal a new beginning. So don't, don't be too worried. You're, gonna, you're on the winning team. God is your shield. You're not going to be here for that intense judgment because we're not appointed to what? To wrath. So we're going to be rescued by the Lord before the wrath comes. Sodom and Gomorrah is a perfect example. Lot was rescued before fire and brimstone rained. He was taken out. We cannot judge this place until you're gone. Same thing at the end of the age. So, so don't get uh, nervous or fearful about that. But here's the question. Since all the things that so much is invested in, and I, I'll mention, for example, there's people concerned about climate change. There's people concerned about certain animals and stuff. And look, I believe we should be good stewards of the planet. But I believe that a lot of what's discussed these days and the money spent on it, in many ways, is a waste of time. That's my personal opinion. So much stock is put in that instead of in the heart. You know, we would have real change in this world if people actually followed the Lord. Don't you agree? That's where the change is actually going to come. So let me ask you, since all these things are going to be destroyed in this way and the day of the Lord will come. We, we all said amen. What God says is going to happen. And then the next verse says, well, since it's going to happen, how should you respond to it? Great question. Isn't it inconvenient when application comes our way? We're just studying eschatology, man. You mean we got to deal with application too? Yep. Since the Lord is going to do this, how should you be living your life? How then shall we live? What sort of person, make it personal, ought you to be? Well, it says you should be holy, end of 11. Greek word hagias. The essence of holiness means to be set apart. To be set apart for God in this world. That's what holiness is. Holiness is living out the life of God in the face of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.